Experts claim there is nothing tougher than a diamond. But at Diamonds Direct, we beg to differ. Have you ever met a mother? Strong, radiant, timeless. This Mother's Day, give her the gift that meets her match. With diamond jewelry starting at $200, plus Diamonds Direct's exceptional quality and unbeatable everyday price, you're sure to give her a gift that wows this generation and the next to come. Experience the thrill of jewelry shopping done right at Diamonds Direct. Diamonds Direct. Your love, our passion. Two-thirds of Americans are at risk to experience a blackout. Are you ready to protect your family? You could be with the Patriot Power Solar Generator 2000X. This new solar generator has double the capacity and is expandable, so you can run the big appliances like your fridge even longer. Best of all, this new solar generator is fume-free, safe to use inside, and never needs gas ever. Over 150,000 Americans trust Patriot Power Generators. Go to 4Patriots.com slash Lisa to get your solar generator now. You'll even get a solar panel included free. Go to 4Patriots.com slash Lisa. This is your moment, your time to shine, your comeback. You're ready for the next step in your career, and you want an education employer's respect. So you're not just going back to school. You're coming back with Purdue Global. Backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected public universities, Purdue Global is built for people who bring their life experience into the online classroom. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. House Oversight Committee Chairman James Comer had this to say on Fox News recently. No one believes this was a coincidence that on the same day the FBI produced a document that showed they've been sitting on allegations of a Biden bribery for years that uh, Donald Trump just happened to be indicted by the special counsel for, for mishandling of classified documents when Joe Biden himself mishandled classified documents on a much greater scale than what Donald Trump did. And we haven't heard a thing from that special counsel. So is that what this is all about? We know that Democrats have been trying to get Donald Trump from day one. The latest is 37 felony charges from the federal government, ranging from the willful retention of national defense information to conspiracy to obstruct justice. We're going to dig into those charges and get to the bottom of it. What you need to know where this is going and what it means. I'm sure you've heard a lot about the Presidential Records Act. What is it and how does it play into this case? We're going to get into all of this with former chief assistant U.S. attorney Andy McCarthy. He's also a senior fellow at the National Review Institute and a Fox News contributor. Stay tuned for Andy McCarthy. Well, Andy McCarthy, I appreciate you taking the time to come on. Uh, You've joined us before, and I feel like in such a thoughtful manner really took us through the New York City indictment against Donald Trump. So I appreciate you making the time this time. It's my pleasure, Lisa. Thanks. And then, of course, that gets to, you know, sort of the frustration of where we we are now. We have now had two unprecedented (laughs) indictments uh, against a former president. Obviously, this has never happened before in American history. Is this the right direction for the country? No, it's a terrible direction. And I wish we could say the half of it was over. But I think, you know, in August, we're going to get yet another indictment from Fulton County, Georgia, in connection with the... um, with the election stuff from 2020 in October, Lisa, I I feel like everybody's going to sleep on this one, but in October, the civil trial that was brought by Letitia James, the attorney general in New York who ran on using her power to go after Trump, that trial starts uh, on October 3rd. That's going to be a major 
fraud trial that's going to take a number of weeks. And as we just saw with the last civil trial that Trump had with E. Jean Carroll, uh, it's it's tough being a defendant in a civil case. There's a a lot of disadvantages that um, litigation wise that uh, are uh, where you lack the protections you have as a defendant in a, in a criminal case. So I, I think that could be that could be worse than people are focused on. Uh, we have this new case with Smith. And what I have uh, started to try to remind people is that Smith is a special counsel like Mueller was and like Durham is. So at some point, I don't think he's going to charge Trump with January 6th stuff. But I do think he's going to write a report like Mueller did and like Durham did, and they will drop that some, you know, at some advantageous moment for them during the election cycle. So, no, it's a terrible, you know, we've had now how many presidential election cycles in a row where we have law enforcement pervasively involved in electoral politics. It's terrible for the country. Looking at uh, this case that he is going to be facing in the Southern District of Florida, where where I live, I live in Miami in South Florida, 37 felony counts ranging from things like willful retention of national defense information to conspiracy to obstruct justice. After reading the indictment, what do you make of it? It's not quite the indictment that I thought it was going to be in two ways. I thought, number one, that If he really wanted to get to trial quickly, he would have indicted it lean and mean and just done the obstruction stuff, because I think it's the obstruction stuff that their their political messaging is that what distinguishes Trump from, say, Biden, who also illegally retained classified information, is that Biden supposedly cooperated to the utmost with the investigation while Trump uh, obstructed the investigation and lied to the grand jury. So I would have I would have expected that that was what he was going to front. And I thought that maybe it would be the only charges he brought. The problem, Lisa, with bringing the uh, Espionage Act counts from a from a prosecution perspective, is if you're trying to get the trial, the case to trial quickly, which he claims he is trying to do, um, that opens up a lot of litigation issues about what classified information has is going to be admitted at the trial. I was really surprised reading the indictment at how descriptive it was about the 31 uh, classified documents that, that they've made the heart of the case. Usually, the government takes the position that we can't uh, even whisper anything about this stuff because it would harm national security for any of it to be public. Here, they were pretty descriptive about... Um, The kind of information that was involved, the classification levels that were involved, the duration of time that Trump uh, is alleged to have uh, retained these things. And I think by doing that, you invite Trump to say that in his defense, he needs to give the jury a more expansive idea of what's in these documents, which is typically what defendants do in these national security classified information cases, not so much because the documents necessarily help them in the sense of being exculpatory, but because they know the government doesn't want to reveal the contents of the documents. So it puts the government in a position of blocking the defense from making what they argue is their defense, which creates a big issue on appeal. And also, because this all has to be litigated pretrial under something that's called SEPA, which is the Classified Information Procedures Act, 
those proceed those litigations proceed at a glacial pace i i had one in a terrorism case in the 90s at the end of it i think i read toward the end of our trial i read like a nine line stipulation to the jury but it took a year and a half of litigation to get there the part where I'm confused is, OK, if you take the instance of Joe Biden, he allegedly has documents from his time in the Senate. And if that would be the case, you have to enter a skiff. You're signing documents in and out like you would basically have to have like stuffed it in. You know what I mean? Like to, to remove documents in that instance. Right. Would show like absolute malice and intent. Whereas with this Donald Trump case, it's like. A reasonable person could say that there is some ambiguity in the sense that like a president does have ultimate authority to declassify or classify documents. And so, you know, I, I think it is reasonable to to believe that there could be ambiguity about is he allowed to keep the you know what I mean? Like, whereas if you're taking documents out of the Senate, it's like, dude, you're you know, like you're really trying here. Right. And so I think that's where there's a lot of confusion and, um, you know, maybe doubt or uh a perception of bias. I would say that, um, you know, having been in the, these kinds of positions, the, the big difference between the executive branch and the legislative branch uh, in this regard is that national security officials in the executive branch are on duty 24-7. And consequently, arrangements are made so that they can review classified information at home and in other locations. Whereas members of Congress are not in that position and they have to review, if they want to review, they have to review uh, national security information in a skiff on Capitol Hill and they're not allowed to take it out. So I quite agree with you that if, uh, if Biden had information from the time he was in the Senate, he had to have willfully taken this. And to me, that undermines a lot of his, um, a lot of the points he gets for being cooperative with the FBI's investigation. I do give him some credit for that. Um, you know, he allowed them to search his homes. I don't think he did it rapidly enough. I mean, to me, I, I think that Merrick Garland, uh, uh, you know, basically sat on his hands and let Biden handle this thing, which was irresponsible on, on Garland's part. But look, he did let the FBI come in and search his places and, and all that stuff. Whereas with Trump, uh, he was a national security official, but you know, to the extent they had arrangements in Mar-a-Lago while he was president to allow him to review, you know, I assume they had a skiff down there while he was president so that, you know, he could review those documents uh, under those conditions. Um, you know, when he wasn't president anymore, if he didn't have a skiff, he, he wasn't supposed to have that stuff down there and he would have known that. Um, but you know, so, you know, there's, there's obviously problems, but you're right that um, as president, he would have had uh, the power to look at this stuff or the authority to look at this stuff uh, in locations other than a skiff in the in the White House. And, you know, we're seeing the same thing with Pence, right? He ended up with documents uh, in his house because he was allowed to review stuff there, too. And he said that it was typical that after he reviewed it, he would give it to his military attache who brought it and they put it in the burn bag or do whatever they do with it. And at least on a few occasions, it sounds like that didn't happen. But you could see, as you're saying, uh, you know, how there could be something inadvertent that happened in that kind of situation. 
Well, it just feels like everybody does it, but then the one guy they're trying to get is the guy they've been trying to get since day one. So it's just it's it's a feeling of unfairness, and 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 I say this as someone who is unsure about you know Donald Trump being the the strongest Republican nominee, right? But it just it, it's a feeling of unfairness, and also just concerned about the weaponization of the law. You know, there's been a lot discussed about the Presidential Records Act, and it's a little confusing. You know, I read there is an op-ed in the Wall Street Journal by Michael Bakesha, I think is his name. I'm probably butchering his last name, uh, who lost the Clinton sock drawer case. And he wrote that the Presidential Records Act allows the president to decide what records to return and what records to keep at the end of a presidency. And the National Archives and Records Administration can't do anything about it. What are your thoughts about that? Uh, you know, what are your thoughts about the Presidential Records Act and, um, you know, using it as, uh, you know, hey, he didn't do anything wrong here? Yeah, I don't agree with it. And I think, you know, in the op-ed and in the commentary about the Presidential Records Act, they're leaving out something that's like the most critical, straightforward fact. And that is it doesn't apply to agency records. Um, it explicitly the Presidential Records Act explicitly excludes agency records from coverage. So in other words, they're saying agency records are not presidential records. What's at issue in President Trump's case is agency records, specifically our national security agencies and their uh, classified reporting about various threats to the United States and military situations and, uh, and the like. They're not covered by the Presidential Records Act. That act is... Basically, uh, what it covers is things that are generated by the president and his staff or given to him for purposes of carrying out his day to day activities. And what he's allowed to keep as opposed to archive is things that are in the nature of, say, diaries or or journals. And what was at stake in what the op ed today in The Wall Street Journal is about were um tape recordings that Clinton, uh, when he was president, uh, created in conjunction with a historian who he was working with to compile what they hoped would be a published history of the Clinton presidency. So these were documents that were uh, created by Clinton, and they're more in the nature of presidential records than agency reports, which is what it's set at stake in uh, in Trump's case. So I really don't think it, um, it it's obviously caused a lot of confusion and it's going to give uh, the the uh, the Trump defenders uh, some things to play with. But, you know, ultimately, I don't think they're going to get very far with it. Let's take a quick commercial break. More with Andy McCarthy on the other side. Two thirds of Americans are at risk to experience a blackout. You could be one of them. Sitting in the dark and cold for hours, for days, maybe even weeks. Are you ready to protect your family? You could be. With the Patriot Power Solar Generator 2000X, folks say this new solar generator from Four Patriots is worth its weight in gold. Why? Because this generator has double the capacity and is expandable so you can run the big appliances like your fridge even longer. Or other devices like an electric blanket, microwave, RV air conditioner, or even an electric wheelchair. You also get 12 outlets, including four AC outlets so you can power more devices at once, and two USB-C outlets, which can charge your phone 20 times faster than a regular plug. Best of all, this new solar generator is fume-free, safe to use inside, and never needs gas ever. Over 150,000 Americans trust Patriot power generators. Go to 4patriots.com Lisa to get your solar generator now. You'll even get a solar panel included free. 
Go to fourpatriots.com slash Lisa. I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. The stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. A couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong strong and getty show to start listening more than a movie is back with season two of the award-winning film podcast and this time with a lot more movies i'm your host alex fumero and each week i'm going to talk to the people behind some of my favorite movies from the godfather andy garcia he has the smarts of Vito, the temper of sunny the warmth of fredo and the coldness of michael to the og spy kid alexa penavega you had Carlo Gugino, who's the coolest mom ever. You had Antonio, who's handsome, amazing, charismatic. And then Carmen and Juni. I felt like a lot of other kids felt like this could be me. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Every episode will feature interviews with the biggest actors, directors, writers, and producers behind your favorite films and tap into the history of Latinos in film. Listen to more than a movie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. You know, one could argue that, you know, destroying evidence with a hammer or using bleach bit to delete emails would be obstruction of justice, you know, yet Hillary Clinton's been unscathed. That's a political problem of the discretion that you have in law enforcement to bring charges has been politicized. Uh, And it is totally unfair uh, that she got a pass and he gets charged. But I I guess the problem for him, Lisa, is that selective prosecution as a as a piece of political rhetoric is very effective. I think, you know, on the stump, Trump is going to have a lot of fun comparing his case to Hillary's case and comparing you know, to Biden's case and to everyone else who got a pass, Petraeus, Deutsch, you can go down the list of uh, of people who either didn't get prosecuted at all or got a slap on the wrist over stuff that was arguably at least as serious as what um, Trump did. The problem with it as a legal strategy is if Trump were to argue selective prosecution to try to get his case knocked out, the legal test is not going to compare Trump to Clinton. It's not like a one-on-one thing. It will be it will be to compare Trump to everyone else who gets prosecuted under under the Espionage Act or to everyone else who gets prosecuted on obstruction. And he's just not going to be able to argue that no one gets prosecuted under those provisions. Obstruction cases are very common, and when we're dealing with people who are not um, you know, high-level celebrity politicians like Trump and Clinton and, and uh, you know, Petraeus and Pence and Biden and the rest of them. If you're dealing with just like the normal military officer, intelligence officer, defense contractor, those people get prosecuted when they when they possess and unlawfully retain classified information that's a lot less serious than, you know, a lot of the stuff we're talking about in these high level cases. And it's totally not fair to them either. You know, on the one hand, I think Trump is right to say, like, how come Hillary gets a pass and I don't? 
But, you know, if you're a military guy who's who's like doing a two year sentence for keeping some stuff that you shouldn't have kept in your house, um, you know, you've got a pretty good argument that, uh, you know, it's likely that Trump may end up being treated better than you are, you know, so. But it also sends a, a different message to go after that military guy than it does a, a former president and, you know, the leading contender for Republicans in the presidential election. One could argue with the message it sends is a terrible message. It's that the two tier justice system isn't just whether what your partisan affiliation is. It's how connected you are. Obviously, this all stemmed from the National Archives and Records Administration seeking documents. If this was anyone but Trump, would they have been given more deference? Yes. Although I think it's fair to say that um, they also gave Trump deference for a long time. And one of the things that bothers me about this case is the the way that people tend to um, some of the people who argue about the case tend to collapse the, you know, the timeline of what happened here. The National Archives pleaded with Trump for months to return his stuff. Uh, and they didn't get the Justice Department involved until Almost a year after they started asking Trump to give his stuff back, when he returned grudgingly 15 of the boxes, which he only did, by the way, because they said that the National Archives said, you know, look, if you're not going to give us our stuff back, we're going to have to go to, to the congressional committee, the oversight committee that deals with this kind of stuff, which was controlled by a, uh, you know, a partisan Democrat, of course. Uh, so. Trump was angry about that, but he realized that, you know, he didn't want that mess. So what they did was they gave 15 boxes, which I think in the greater scheme of things is probably less than half of of what he had down at Mar-a-Lago. And the only reason the Justice Department got involved is when they went through those boxes, uh, they found, I think it was like 184 or something classified documents. Some of them were highly classified. So at that point... The inspector general of the National Archives referred it to the Justice Department. And even they didn't want to touch it um, because Biden understood the implications of, you know, taking enforcement action against the guy he was going to be running against uh, in the election, or at least it was a very high probability of it. So the FBI and the Justice Department dithered for about three months before they did anything. And there were messages that were sent to Trump basically saying, you know, let's just give us the stuff back and then we can call it a day when he wouldn't do it. They didn't leap to like, uh, you know, the, the harshest, most intrusive measure they could have done. They gave him a grand jury subpoena, which meant that he could go through his own stuff and give them back what they were asking for. And at that point they didn't ask for every single government document he had. They asked for the classified documents and, even then, when they asked him for that, he didn't, you know, they realized pretty quickly that he, what he gave them, which was 38 documents, was not everything that he had left. And that was why ultimately uh, they did the search warrant. Now, I think interestingly, the FBI didn't want to do the search warrant. You know, there's a lot of criticism, which a lot of it's very valid uh, against the FBI. But I think this, I think the search warrant was more driven by the Biden Justice Department than the FBI. What the FBI wanted to do was ask Trump to consent to search to Mar-a-Lago, uh, to search his home, rather than get a warrant. Uh, and if they had done that, I don't know if Trump would have agreed to this, but at least you would have had a situation where 
Um, you know, Trump could have been present. He could have had his lawyers present. They could have accompanied the bureau and it would have been done by agreement. And it, it probably could have been done quietly and without fanfare. The um, the Justice Department didn't want to do that. And it's it's hard to I, I'm like a major critic of the Biden Justice Department, but it's hard to criticize them under circumstances where, you know, you have one government official after another for over 18 months who's asking Trump, please just give us our stuff back. Uh, and he wouldn't do it. So at that point, you know, they don't like him to begin with, but I think their patience was run out. Facing a jury in the Southern District of Florida looks a lot different than facing a jury in liberal New York City. How hard is it going to be for prosecutors to win in South Florida, where you do have Trump supporters, where you do have Republicans? I like to think, Lisa, because I, you know, I tried cases in New York for 20 years. Now, politically fraught cases are a little different from other cases. But in my experience, juries tend to, you know, they, they tend to check their politics at the door. In fact, I didn't really think that was a phenomenon until recently. You know, when I was a... When I was a prosecutor in New York, um, you know, I was a liberal. I was a conservative lawyer in New York. All my best friends in the office were Democrats, you know, um, and it wasn't a big deal because the job was more, you know, clinical than political. And I found that most of the time, uh, you know, you can get a crazy jury here or there, but for the most part, juries are pretty good at listening to what the court tells them and you know, applying the law that the judge instructs them on to the only the facts that they learn in court. Uh, judges in federal court in particular do a very good job of vetting a jury and and uh, visiting on them the obligation to decide the case based solely on the law and the facts and not extraneous concerns. They do a good job of weeding out people uh, who are so political they don't belong on a case like that so i have confidence because i've seen the system work i have confidence that the the system will work and that president trump will get a fair trial um and i i hope it'll be decided based on you know whatever the facts are rather than the politics but i i feel like we're talking a little bit um of of a fantasy or a fiction because the way i see it i don't see how this case gets to trial before the election. And depending on how the election comes out, I don't, it may never get to trial. I mean, if Trump, obviously, if Trump were the, if the Republicans win the election, forget about, you know, whether it's Trump, I don't think this case would ever go forward. Um, I think that, you know, there's enough anger on the Republican side over the two tiers of justice. I don't think people want to defend Trump's actions, but they do want to defend the principle that everybody should be treated the same. So I think it will be a thing for whoever the Republican nominee is, whether it's Trump or somebody else, that if that case hasn't been disposed of before the election, the Justice Department will drop it in the next administration. And whether the whether the Democrats are actually going to pursue it, I guess they will. If, it, you know, if, if, if the Democrats win the election, um, I suppose then it could go to trial. But I. I just don't see how it gets to trial because I think these classified information issues are going to be so hard to work through. Trump's got to get lawyers who are cleared to, you know, for for national security information. That takes time. There's a million things that could be appealed in this case. In the normal criminal case, um, you know, the judge decides the issues 
and then you have a trial and then there's a conviction and only then do you get to appeal. But because of Trump's status and because of a number of the complicated issues that are going to arise because of his status and because we're dealing with classified information, there could be appeals um, before the trial, which would delay things. And then I I don't mean to go on and on, but the other thing I would just say about it is if this were the only thing on Trump's dance card, I think it would be hard, if not impossible, to get this case to trial before the next election. But it's not the only thing. He's going to have like four or five other cases going. House Oversight Committee Chairman James Comer uh, blasted the timing of the FBI finally producing its FD 1023 form that alleges a criminal bribery scheme involving President Joe Biden and a foreign national. He says no one believes this was a coincidence that on the same day the FBI produced a document that showed they've been sitting on allegations of a Biden bribery for years that Donald Trump just happened to be indicted by the special counsel for the mishandling of classified documents. Is that what this is about? Is this the Department of Justice and the FBI trying to create a distraction from what their guy is facing, Joe Biden? I don't think they're at all unhappy that they can exploit that. But it just seems to me that they I wrote something, Lisa, I want to say it was like um, September, probably two or three weeks after the search at Mar-a-Lago. So maybe it's early September um, where I said it was virtually guaranteed that Trump was going to be charged in connection with Mar-a-Lago. And the reason I said that was not so much the the potential seriousness of the charges. It was that the prosecutors, and this was two months or three months before uh, Smith was uh, named as a special counsel. This was the Biden Justice Department, but they were doing all the things that prosecutors do when they're very serious about building a case, including giving people immunity, which the, the Justice Justice Department only does that when they're trying to, you know, move up the chain and, and make a case against somebody who's bigger than the person they're giving immunity to. So I wouldn't say that they decided to prosecute this case because of the need to have a distraction from the Biden bribery stuff, because at the time it looked to me like they were pretty certainly trying to make a case. They they wouldn't have known about the the that the bribery thing would be a scandal at this point. But I'm, I'm sure they're going to, you know, given that the table is set the way it's set, obviously they're going to use what they can use to their advantage. Is there anything else you'd like to leave us with before we go? I would say about the um, about the FBI investigation. Um. I'm more disturbed about that than anything else. I, I, I'm obviously I'm disturbed as I think we all are about the bribery allegations, but I'm much more disturbed about what I think is the growing mountain of evidence that the FBI conspired with Democrats and um, had an arrangement with social media in order to basically put its thumb on the scale in connection with the 2020 election. And to me, that's the biggest scandal we have going now. The Biden, the Biden bribery thing actually, you know, obviously ought to be investigated to the ground. And what's going to happen with Trump is going to happen with Trump, right? These things are going to play out. These cases are going to play out, but it's really dangerous for the country to have what I think we have, which is, a lot of evidence that the FBI worked with congressional Democrats in order to discredit 
the financial information that Chuck Grassley and Ron Johnson in the Senate were compiling with respect to Biden, the Bidens getting millions of dollars from corrupt and anti-American regimes. Uh, we've heard a lot about like the letter of the 51 former intelligence officials who discredited or tried to discredit the New York Post's reporting. What I don't think we've paid enough attention to is that those 51 officials were basically working off a template that the FBI had already developed in conjunction with congressional Democrats in trying to discredit what Johnson and Grassley were doing on the on the financial investigation. And I think the FBI systematically went to the social media com companies and in a nod and a wink kind of way told them that if there were derogatory information to come out about the Bidens, the chances were that that was a reflection of Russia once again trying to interfere in our election. So I think the FBI worked very hard to defeat Trump and to and to get Biden elected. Andy, I appreciate your sober analysis. I appreciate you taking the time and, and walking us through all this. Uh, obviously, it's complex, complicated, and there's a lot of opinions. So I, I appreciate you giving yours and, uh, you know, your outlook on the law. So thank you so much for taking the time. Thanks so much, Lisa. So that was Andy McCarthy. I appreciate his sober analysis. I, I do really believe that he is looking at this as objectively as possible. And that's really what I wanted to accomplish with this episode of just getting a real look at what's going on, what we need to know and where this is going. I appreciate you home for listening every Monday and Thursday. But of course, you can listen throughout the week. Please leave us a review. Give us a rating on Apple Podcasts. I love reading those. I want to thank John Cassio, my producer, for putting the show together. Until next time. Two-thirds of Americans are at risk to experience a blackout. Are you ready to protect your family? You could be with the Patriot Power Solar Generator 2000X. This new solar generator has double the capacity and is expandable, so you can run the big appliances like your fridge even longer. Best of all, this new solar generator is fume-free, safe to use inside, and never needs gas ever. Over 150,000 Americans trust Patriot Power Generators. Go to 4Patriots.com slash Lisa to get your solar generator now. You'll even get a solar panel included free. Go to 4Patriots.com slash Lisa. More Than a Movie is back with season two. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to More Than a Movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. The stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening.